Lesson 8 for February 16 through to 22, Satan, a Defeated Enemy. Sabbath afternoon, February 16. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is our Saviour, that you are the one who not only cares for us, but provides for us, and that the one we can rely on. And we thank you that Satan is a defeated foe. And we pray as we study about this this week that your Holy Spirit will guide us and bless us, each one. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. That's Revelation 12, verse 11. Let's read it again. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Revelation chapters 12 to 14 prepares us for the last day events section of the book. That's Revelation 15 from verse 1 right through to the last verse 21 of chapter 22. While the first half of the book, Revelation 1, verse 1 to chapter 11, verse 19, describes the spiritual struggles of the church in a hostile world throughout the Christian era, the remainder focuses on key events leading up to the second coming and God's kingdom. The purpose of chapter 12 is to give us the big picture behind the final crisis of world history. It shows us the development throughout history of the great controversy between Christ and Satan. In the book of Revelation, Satan is the arch-enemy of God and his people. His existence is real, and he stands behind all evil and rebellion in the universe. He knows that his last chance to succeed against God before the second coming is to win the battle of Armageddon. So, he focuses all his efforts on preparing for that event. Revelation 12 is intended to provide God's people with an assurance that Satan will not succeed. It is also a warning that Satan is determined and will wage all-out war against God's last-day remnant church and that their only hope and power to overcome is found in Christ. Sunday, February 17, The Woman and the Dragon Question, read Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through to 5. In vision, John sees two great signs. The first is a woman pregnant with a child, and the second is a dragon. What do these signs or symbols represent, and what do these verses teach? Revelation 12, beginning at verse 1, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labour and in pain to give birth. 
And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. A woman in the Bible is used as a symbol for God's people, as we read in 2 Corinthians 11.2, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. A chaste woman stands for faithful believers, while a harlot stands for apostate Christians. The woman in Revelation 12 first symbolizes Israel to whom the Messiah came, and we've just read that in Revelation 12one to 5 In verses 13-17, to 17, she stands for the true church that gives birth to the remnant. And verse 13 onwards reads, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This woman is portrayed as clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet. The sun represents the glory of Christ's character, his righteousness, as we read in Malachi 4.2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. He is the light of the world, as it says in John 8 verse 12, and his people are to reflect the light of God's loving character to the world, as we read in Matthew 5 verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Revelation 12 verse 9 reads, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. His tail, symbolizing the means used to deceive, in Isaiah 9:14 and 15 and Revelation 9:10, dragged a third of the stars from heaven down to the earth, as we read in Revelation 12 verse 4. Isaiah 9 verses 14 and 15 reads, "Therefore the Lord will cut off head and tail from Israel, 
palm branch and bulrush in one day, the elder and honourable, he is the head, the prophet who teaches lies, he is the tail. In Revelation 9 and verse 10, they had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. This action shows that Having fallen from his exalted position in heaven, as described in Isaiah fourteen twelve to 15 Satan was able to deceive a third of the angels. Isaiah 14, beginning at verse 12. How you were fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. These fallen angels are the demons who assist the devil in opposing God and his work of salvation, as we see in 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. Revelation also uses the dragon, described as having seven heads and ten horns, as a symbol of those agents in the world used by Satan. Pagan Rome, as we saw in Revelation 12 verse 4, and spiritualism, as we'll see in Revelation 16 and verse 13. And that reads, Revelation 16.13, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Ellen White writes in The Great Controversy, page 438. The dragon is said to be Satan in Revelation 12 verse 9. He it was that moved upon Herod to put the Saviour to death, but the chief agent of Satan in making war upon Christ and his people during the first centuries of the Christian era was the Roman Empire, in which paganism was the prevailing religion. Thus, while the dragon primarily represents Satan, it is, in a secondary sense, a symbol of pagan Rome. Question, read Revelation 12, verse 9. Satan is called that serpent of old. What connection exists between Genesis 3.15 and the dragon's attempt to destroy the seed of the woman as soon as it was born, as it says in Revelation 12, verse 4? Revelation 12, verse 9 reads, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. From the beginning, Satan was waiting for the Messiah, the child, to be born, in order to destroy him. 
When the Messiah was finally born, Satan used pagan Rome, also symbolized as the dragon in Revelation 12 verse 4, to try to destroy him, as we see in Matthew 2 verses 13 to 16. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will see the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. But the child was caught up to God and to his throne, as it says in Revelation 12, verse 5. You have been listening to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide by Dr. Percy Harold from Queensland, Australia. This service is brought to you by Hope Channel, the Sabbath School Department and Christian Services for the Blind. Remember, God is always faithful. Monday, February 18. Satan cast down to earth. Question, read Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through to 9, which talks about a war in heaven. What was the nature of that war that resulted in Satan's expulsion from heaven? Revelation 12, beginning at verse 7, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Satan was cast out of heaven at the beginning of the great controversy when he rebelled against God's government. He wanted to seize God's throne in heaven and be like the Most High, as you read in Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 15. How you were fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. He stood in open revolt against God, but was defeated and exiled on earth. However, by deceiving Adam and Eve, Satan usurped Adam's rule over this world, as we read in Luke 4 verse 6. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. As the self-proclaimed ruler of this world... In John 12.31 we read, Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Satan claimed the right to attend the heavenly council as earth's representative, as we read in Job 1 verses 6 to 12. 
Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. However, since his defeat at the cross, Satan and his fallen angels have been confined to the earth as a prison until they receive their punishment, as we read in Second Peter 2 verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And Jude verse 7. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. By his death, Jesus redeemed what was lost, and Satan's true character was revealed before the universe. In The Desire of Ages, page 761, we read, Satan saw that his disguise was torn away, his administration was laid open before the unfallen angels and before the heavenly universe. He had revealed himself as a murderer, by shedding the blood of the Son of God, he had uprooted himself from the sympathies of the heavenly beings. Henceforth, his work was restricted. End of quote. Before the whole universe, the rule over the earth was transferred from Satan to Jesus, and he was proclaimed the legitimate ruler over the earth, as we read in Ephesians 1 verses 20 to 22, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, and Philippians 2, verses 9 through to 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father." Jesus foretold this event, saying, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. John 12.31 With this judgment on Satan, the salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come, we read in Revelation 12.10. 
Satan still has limited power to harm God's people on earth, but it is with the realization that he has a short time left, as it says in Revelation 12.12. 12. Although his time is indeed short, he is doing all that he can to cause pain, suffering and havoc here. So to finish the day, what does Revelation 12.11 teach about how to defend against the devil? And also look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. And Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Tuesday, February 19. The War on Earth. Question. Read Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Having been barred from heaven, Satan continues his attack on the church during the prophetic 1,260 days or years. How was God involved with the church during that period? Revelation 12, beginning at verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. From The Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 3, page 194 and 195, we read, The casting down of Satan as an accuser of the brethren in heaven was accomplished by the great work of Christ in giving up his life. Notwithstanding Satan's persistent opposition, the plan of redemption was being carried out. Satan, knowing that the empire he had usurped would in the end be wrested from him, determined to spare no pains to destroy as many as possible of the creatures whom God had created in his image. He hated man because Christ had manifested for him such forgiving love and pity, and he now prepared to practice upon him every species of deception by which he might be lost. 
He pursued his course with more energy because of his own hopeless condition. End of quote. No question, Satan continues his activities on earth by pouring his fury against the great object of Christ's love on earth, the Church. However, the Church finds divine protection in the desolate wilderness places of the earth during the prophetic period of 1,260 days or years. The period of Satan's persecution is mentioned twice in Revelation 12 in terms of 1,260 days or years in Revelation 12.6 and a time and times and half a time in Revelation 12 verse 14. Both time periods refer to the duration of the little horn's persecuting activity mentioned in Daniel 7, verses 23 to 25, which reads, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the other ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. In the Bible, prophetic days symbolize years. The time in history that fits this prophetic period is A.D. 538 to 1798, during which time the Roman Catholic Church, as its church-state power, dominated the Western world until 1798, when Napoleon's General Berthier brought Rome's oppressive power to an end, at least temporarily. During this long period of persecution, the dragon spews flooding waters out of his mouth in order to destroy the woman. Waters represent peoples and nations, as we read in Revelation 17.15. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Armies and nations were sent by Rome against God's faithful people during this time. Near the end of this prophetic period, a friendly earth swallows the waters and saves the woman, providing a safe haven for her. This provision points to the refuge that America, with its religious freedom, supplied. Revelation 12 verse 16, But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So to finish the day, Think of how long the persecution here lasted, 1,260 years. What should this great duration tell us about how limited we are in understanding why things, such as the return of Christ, seem to be taking so long, at least from our perspective? Wednesday, February 20, War Against the Remnant Question, read Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. At the end time, against whom does Satan make all-out war? 
Revelation 12, verse 17, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The word rest or remnant describes those who remain faithful to God while the majority apostatize. 1 Kings 19, verse 18 reads, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And Revelation 2 and verse 24, Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. While the majority of people in the world side with Satan at the end of time, a group of people whom God raised up after 1798 will remain faithful to Christ in the face of Satan's full fury. Question, what are the two characteristics of the remnant in Revelation 12 verse 17? And how can one be sure that he or she belongs to God's end time remnant? Revelation 12:17 and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the remnant of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ the end time remnant keeps God's commandments Revelation 13 shows that the first tablet of the decalogue will be central to the end time conflict the key component of the first four commandments is worship the main issue in the final crisis is who should be worshipped. While the people in the world will choose to worship the image of the beast, the remnant will worship God the Creator. As it says in Revelation 14 verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. The fourth commandment, the Sabbath, points specifically to God as our Creator, which is one reason it will play a pivotal role in the final crisis at the end. Also, the end-time remnant's second characteristic is that they have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which Revelation 19.10 explains is the spirit of prophecy. By comparing this verse with Revelation 22.9, we see that John's brethren, who have the testimony of Jesus, are prophets. Revelation 22 verse 9. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Therefore, the testimony of Jesus refers to Jesus testifying to the truth through his prophets, just as he did through John in Revelation 1 verse 9, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Revelation shows that at the time of the end, God's people will have the spirit of prophecy in their midst to guide them through those difficult times, as Satan will make every effort to deceive and destroy them. As Adventists, we have been given that gift of prophetic insight in the ministry and writings of Ellen G. White. And so to finish today, what do you see as some of the most incredible insights we have been given through the spirit of prophecy? What obligations does this gift put on us, individually 
and as a church. Thursday, February 21, Satan's end-time strategy. Revelation chapter 12 verse 17 marks a shift in Satan's strategy as he tries to win the people of the world and even seeks to deceive Christ's faithful followers. Throughout Christian history, Satan has opposed God's work of salvation, primarily by means of subtle compromise within the church and through coercion and persecution from without. History shows that, while successful for many centuries, this strategy was counteracted by the Reformation and the gradual rediscovery of Bible truth by God's people. However, as Satan realises that his time is running out, he intensifies his efforts and goes to wage war against God's end-time remnant, as we read in Revelation 12:17. His attacks on the remnant will include a large element of deception. Demons working miracles and spiritualistic manifestations will be introduced, as we read in Revelation 16, verse 14, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. This shift in Satan's strategy corresponds to the transition from a historical to an end-time focus, as we read in Matthew twenty-four twenty-four. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. It is significant that the word deceive is used regularly in Revelation chapters 12 to 20 to describe Satan's end-time activities. The word deceive begins Revelation 12.9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And it concludes with Revelation 20, verse 7 to 10. Now, when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And this is a description of Satan's end-time activities in Revelation. Question, read... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 8 to 12 along with Revelation 13 verses 13 and 14 and Revelation 19 verse 20. What is the nature of Satan's end time deception? 2 Thessalonians 2 8 to 12 And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and 
with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And Revelation 13, verses 13 and 14, he performs great signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword, and lived, and Revelation 19, verse 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Revelation chapter 12 through to chapter 20 portrays Satan endeavouring to deceive the world, as we read in Revelation 12, verse 9, chapter 13, verse 14, chapter 18, verse 23, chapter 19, verse 20, and chapter 20 and verse 8. Revelation 12, 9 reads, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And Revelation 13, verse 14, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And Revelation 18, verse 23, The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you any more, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all nations were deceived. And Revelation 19 verse 20, Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who works signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And Revelation 20 verse 8, and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. He used, in turn, political and religious powers to do his work. Pagan Rome, symbolized by the dragon in Revelation 12, verse 4 and 5, followed by a power symbolized by the sea beast in Revelation 12, verses 6 and 15, and Revelation 13, 1 to 8, and finally a power symbolized by the earth beast in Revelation 13, 11. Let's look at those texts. Revelation chapter 12 and verses 4 and 5. Revelation 12, 4 and 5 reads, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. And Revelation 12, verses, verse 6 
Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And verse 15, So the serpent spewed out water of, of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And Revelation 13, verses 1 through to 8, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion." The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marvelled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who was able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for forty-two months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world." And Revelation 13.11, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. Throughout the rest of the book, the members of this satanic triad, paganism, spiritualism, are symbolized by the dragon. Roman Catholicism, symbolized by the sea beast, and apostate Protestantism, symbolized by the lamb-like or earth beast, are inseparably united in opposing God's activities in the world. They work together to deceive people in order to turn them away from God and to get them to side with Satan in the battle of that great day of God Almighty. As we read in Revelation 16, verses 13 and 14, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. These false religious systems will be destroyed together at the second coming, as we read in Revelation 19.20, while the dragon, symbolizing the devil, who worked through these earthly powers, as we read in Revelation 12 verse 9, will be destroyed at the end of the thousand years, as we read in Revelation 20 verse 10. And that reads... The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Revelation shows that the end-time deception will be so great that most people will be led to choose the way of destruction. Jesus talks about that in Matthew 7.13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. So to finish the day, twice in Revelation a call is made for wisdom and spiritual discernment in order to perceive and withstand the deceptive nature of Satan's end-time activities. 
Revelation 13 verse 18, Here is wisdom. Let him who is understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And Revelation 17 verse 9, Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. What kind of wisdom is in view here? According to James 1.5, how can we obtain that wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What kind of wisdom is in view here? According to James 1.5, how can we obtain that wisdom? Friday, February 22. The purpose of Revelation 12 is, first of all, to tell God's people that end-time events are a part of the great conflict between Christ and Satan. The book warns God's people about what they are facing today and are about to confront in an even more serious manner in the future, an experienced and furious enemy. Paul warns us of the end-time activity of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 9 and 10 Revelation urges us to take the future seriously and make our dependence on God our priority. On the other side, Revelation assures us that although Satan is a strong and experienced enemy, he is not strong enough to overcome Christ, as we read in Revelation 12.8. But they will not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. For God's people, hope can be found only in the one who in the past has victoriously defeated Satan and his demonic forces. And he has promised to be with his faithful followers always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 20. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. One, as Seventh-day Adventists, we see ourselves as fulfilling the characteristics of the end-time remnant. What a privilege! Also, what a responsibility! Luke 12, verse 48 reads, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Why must we be careful, however, not to think that this role guarantees our own personal salvation? And question two. Ellen White writes in the Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, March 19, 1889, We talk altogether too much about the power of Satan. It is true that Satan is a powerful being, but I thank God for a mighty Saviour who cast the evil one from heaven. We talk of our adversary, we pray about him, we think of him, and he looms up greater and greater in our imagination. Now, why not? talk of Jesus. Why not think of his power and his love? Satan is pleased to have us magnify his power. Hold up Jesus. 
meditate upon him, and by beholding you will become changed into his image. End of quote. In what ways do Christians magnify Satan's power? On the other hand, what dangers are there in denying not just the reality of Satan's power, but the reality of his very existence as well? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we've been studying about the struggle between Christ and Satan, and we know that Christ is victorious. Please help us not to dwell on Satan, but to dwell on the Saviour, the one who gave his life that each of us could have eternal life. We pray in his dear name. Amen. Inside Story Our mission story this week is again presented by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. It's titled Gift of Time. Tracy Lee, a mother of four living near Fort Worth, Texas, wondered what gift she could give to God. She didn't have much money and she has struggled for years with attention deficit disorder. But between homeschooling and five pets, she realized that she had one thing that she could dedicate to the Lord, time. So Tracy volunteered to correspond with inmates through a prison ministries program at Grandview Seventh-day Adventist Church in Grandview, Texas. The more I did it, the more I enjoyed it, Tracy said. I felt like I was making a difference, so I have continued doing it. Six years later, she is responsible for a prison ministries program larger than her church of about 35 members. She guides dozens of inmates through Bible correspondence lessons every week and maintains contact with about 300 people. It is unclear how many people have been baptised through her work, but several inmates have described big changes in their lives. One inmate wrote that a family member exclaimed during a prison visit, What did you do? I see something different about you. There is like a glow about you. I got an opportunity to witness to this person because he saw a difference in me, the inmate wrote to Tracy. Thank you for taking the time to teach me. Tracy, 46, was raised in a Sunday church, got married and spent several years visiting various churches, trying to find a place to grow her children. One day she was browsing at a half-priced bookstore with her eldest son Kyle when a customer struck up a conversation. He mentioned Grandview as a church and invited us to come try it out, Tracy said. The family attended a couple of church concerts and began to attend worship services on Saturday. About seven months after joining the church, Tracy volunteered to help with prison ministries. The prison work not only gives her joy, but also has helped her control the attention deficit disorder. Tracy said she is thrilled that it has forced her to stop procrastinating and to organise her week in such a way that she can assist the inmates in a timely manner and care for her family at the same time. Tracy still doesn't have much money, but she is eager to keep giving her time. That's what I feel that I need to give, she said. And there's a lovely photo of here of Tracy. 
You have been listening to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide by Dr. Percy Harold from Queensland, Australia. This service is brought to you by Hope Channel, the Sabbath School Department and Christian Services for the Blind. Remember, God is always faithful.